Welcome to the Hawkeye Psychic Podcast. And you're very welcome back to the Hawkeye Psychic Hurden Podcast with your host Mark Kennedy. Joined this week by Karen Collins and Rory Walsh. Lads, how are things? Good, Mark. Yeah, great, great. All good. Another week fast upon us. I suppose in this episode, ladies and gentlemen, we'll focus in on the Alliance Hurden League Division 1 final. We'll also look at round run of the Joe McDonough Cup. Last episode, we had a preview, and fair to say there was one or two shocks uh, in that round, so we'll have a quick look there. Also look at round two, which is scheduled for this weekend. Also have a look at the underage provincial uh, championships as well, as well as kind of having a bit of a sneak preview on the Munster Senior Hurling and Leinster Senior Hurling Championships. I suppose uh, we can start from the start, guys. Parky Keeve, Easter Sunday, Limerick, Kilkenny. Eagerly anticipated based on our review here, Karen. Limerick 220, Kilkenny 15 points. A final that really, for me, didn't really kind of hit the levels. But again, Limerick won't mind. It was another good performance from the Shannonsiders. Yeah, I think more so in the second half, Mark. Um, it kind of really fizzled out early. Uh, and like, if you look at like Kilkenny, were still in the game up until Gland's goal. You know, so Kilkenny did start well, going three up. And, uh, and you know, Limerick weren't really firing as such. Three Galan freeze got him back, you know, level and good point from Flanagan on the sideline to, to put him in front or put him, you know, fairly level. And uh, to Barry Nash's goal then, you know, which is obviously talkable all week, you know, corner back in them for a goal. And, and since then, since that point, you know, Limerick never uh, relinquished the lead since again. But like the Kenny weren't far away, like at any stage, like up to 30 minutes, they were there or thereabouts. And I suppose a late 30 points in Limerick, bottled up to six point lead at half time. But like even early second half, there was very little in it. I suppose to Kenny even look at them, they had a few half goal chances. You know, Nicky, Nicky Quaid say from Massey Keown and, and Billy Ryan. I think it was kind of pedestrian. I think something really stood out and showed it for me was one of the old Murphy's puck outs. I think it was for Hugh Lawler that Darrell Dunham intercepted. Like, you know, it was very pedestrian for Kenny. Like, Lawler should have been going towards the ball. You know, when Sullivan got a hold of the ball, it was, it was only over the bar. And I think then after that, it was... Kind of a one-four scoring spurt, you know, including Glenn's goal that, that really saw the game off. But you know, I suppose looking back at it, like Kilkenny, go back a long time to see only the money scoring 15 points in a, in a final, you know, and definitely a second half, like five points in the whole second half, which is it's unheard of for that for Kilkenny team. But look, I suppose we've kind of said it last week; they are still a work in progress. You know, they're they're supposed they're, they're trying new things. Getting players back on, I think, you know, Derek Ling was right, probably not to bring on TJ. You know, the game was done at that stage. You know, Adrian Mullins back, thought he had a good game, getting three points, and, you know, the game time will do him the world of good. I think they'll have learned a lot from, from playing Limerick, you know. Obviously, they'll have a lot of question marks after it, but Limerick, not at full strength either, you could say, without Hannon, Hayes, Donahue, 7-9, you know, real important part of the field, and, you know, players slotting in, the likes of Cotton O'Neill coming in, Colin Coughlin, you know, they just seem to carry it on, it doesn't matter who's there. I think Flanagan really back to look like himself, you know, was kind of doing a lot of work, doing a lot of running as we're kind of associated with Flanagan. You know, just I think Key Lynch as well, you know, the pass for, for Galan's goal, it's just it's the vision he has. And, you know, I don't, I don't think we saw the best in Limerick, especially with the white count, but uh, I don't think that's the best Kilkenny can put up either. Rory, we'll get you in there. What were your thoughts on the final? Yeah, the one thing I suppose with Kilkenny that surprised me was kind of their their standoffish at times. And I think the Sunday game showed good highlights of passages where Limerick were just able to work the ball from one end of the pitch to the other without Kilkenny like laying a finger on them, which is very 
on Kilkenny like and that one thing you'll always get from them is the physicality and that raw edge them so that's one thing I say that, that really would have disappointed Derek Ling because I don't think they went out there to go like it just during the game that like they stood off Limerick and like Limerick's touch and skill level and striking is of of such a level that if you give them any space at all you know they'll go to town and, yeah, and they did and Kilkenny were lucky they weren't beaten by more to be honest because uh, I think it was 20 wise Limerick had as well. They were just creating scoring chance after scoring chance. And this is after a very poor start as well, where Kilkenny led 3-0, and, you know, Limerick looked a bit kind of, a bit off it to begin with, but once they settled, like, it was powerful stuff. So, yeah, that's that's the one thing from Kilkenny point of view, where, where it's like they were caught in, like, I think against Limerick, if you're going to let Limerick get possession from the puck out short, then you have to pick a line, maybe once to try and cross their own 65, or it's ferocious and there's no space at all. But Kilkenny were kind of letting them do both. They're letting them come out, and yet there still seems to be acres of space at the other end in front of Gillan and Flanagan, which Limerick exploited really well. Um, some of the ball that was bucked in, Keane Lynch, in fairness, um, just really unselfish stuff, um, just putting laying ball in front of Flanagan and, and Gillan. And um, look, everyone knows they're really hard to mark, uh, especially when there's ball like that put in in space in front. And they do work really well off each other too. Like You could see that for for the goal where they just spin off, they automatically know what the other player is doing. They just have that bond from playing with each other. But uh, yeah, look, and it's it's kind of a, Kylie really has that 19, 20 players that are really interchangeable. Like, And we saw that the last day, like he, his next five that don't start can easily slot in. And that's kind of a, yeah, to lose um, Hayes and Hannon and just, as Kieran said, they're just two other guys, Coughlin slots in and there's no real change to how they play. O'Donoghue as well, remember, suspended and, to just get on with it now. It's kind of a reminding me of the Irish rugby team who in the Six Nations, when there was an injury or a lad missing, there was no fuss made. It just next man came in and they got on with it. So, you know, that's that's kind of a hard thing for an intercounty level to have that depth to be able to do that. And just the players to know the system so well and have the confidence to just slot in and not to feel the pressure of, oh, I, I, I'm in Will who's jersey here. And I they just seem to just get on with it. And as I said, they, they just hurl like with a bit of a freedom and they don't seem to be under any stress when they're playing, which is... You know, which is a huge, a huge thing the other team is going to have to overcome. I think as well, Rory, you mentioned about the the ball to hand. Like, you know, I think that's what sets them apart. Is it does go to hand, and when it, when it does, like, there's no contesting it. You know, it's a, it's not a fifty fifty ball. But you know, I think any team who spill a ball, you know, it, it's there a fifty fifty ball. It's a rock. You know, anyone can win it. But I think because they're they're so accurate with the ball to hand that it, it takes away that. You know that that threat of, of losing the ball or, or the ball being turned over, and I think that for me is the most impressive. You know, obviously it's it's all down to the training ground, but like to you know for for the ball to to leave Nicky Quaid and the next time it's to hit the ground is in the net or over the bar. Like I think it's incredible. And I think for a team to beat Limerick, it's going to have to be this kind of an organised chaos, kind of like what we closest I suppose we saw Limerick being beaten or potentially beaten last year as a monster final, where you know Clare kind of brought that you know, control, well, maybe not completely controlled at all times, but, you know, that raw aggression and just, like, Limerick didn't have that space. Neither team had to look up and maybe give that ball to hand like Limerick do all the time. There was ball breaking the ground, and that's, like, that. you have to match Limerick that way. You cannot stand back and let them, because the skill level, their striking is of that level that they'll just find space all the time. So um, it's really hard to sustain that for 70 minutes, but that's the only way I can see them being beaten is just a team bringing that kind of, a war, but like controlling what you're doing as well. And when you win, win possession, just being smart yourselves and hurt Limerick in the scoreboard. Because at the moment, um, they look um, as you know everyone has been saying in the media as well. They look even stronger this year than they did last year. But then again, 
we all we've seen this before in the past with teams not just in in hurling but in other sports where you're cruising into a championship only to get hit with you know heavyweight punch straight away um it can happen but uh you just feel with the experience of Limerick that they'd still you know they'd still be able to go toe to toe but like in one way they're almost going too well I think though if, you, if you're looking at a way to beat Limerick I think you're going to need probably two or three plans and I think it's because of the way Limerick reacts in the moment, you know, and I don't even think it comes from the sideline. I think they're 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 being given that freedom, I suppose, to react accordingly. But like Limerick can mix it up, they'll change it. You know, if you push up on them, you know, they they put it in in long, you know, and and if you sit back, they'll they're, they're happy to take points from you know 60, 70 yards. So I think, you know, I I really think teams will have to come with maybe a plan A, B, and C, and to mix it up. You know, when Limerick do change, that they can change themselves again and. Because uh, you're, I think to, you know, Limerick do adapt very, very well, especially when it comes to to half time. You know, we saw the water breaks. You know, we saw teams, you know, having a very good first quarter and then second quarter, Limerick come out and blow them out of it. And I think for teams, they're going to have to to bring maybe two or three different plans or different ideas to to try because you know it might work for 10, 15 minutes, but I think after that, Limerick get a hold of it and and they turn it around again. And in fairness, last year, Shefflin kind of did that with Galway, who ran Limerick to the wire as well. They started with Mannion and a sweeper. didn't really work. Put him out as a third midfielder, where suddenly he came into the game and it changed the match. And uh, you said, like, teams have to, can't be waiting to see what Limerick do as well. Like, teams have to kind of go and, as you said, try different things. But they have to, the main ingredient has to be, like, an intense raw aggression and just to have to disrupt the way uh, Limerick can move the ball so quickly, ball to hand, up through the lines. Like, that, that's the first thing. Um, because if if you let Limerick play, it's just going to, you know, like as we said there, 20 wides and still beat Kilkenny. And that's the one thing uh, Kylie interviewed after the match. Um, and Marty Morrissey, kind of, you could see Kylie was a bit bristling over certain things. And that was the main thing. He, the first thing he mentioned was their um, shot selection. And so, yeah, and, and, and he did mention, like, and here's the thing as well. Um, Davy Fitz has been, um, when he was in, when he was in a Sunday game for the last couple of years, he was talking about how, he had, uh, I don't know, I might imagine this, but I, I remember him saying a couple of times that he thought he had the way to beat Limerick or how you push up on them and certain things. So now he's a chance to put it into action. Um, they have been in the, waiting in the long grass now and they know exactly what they're going to face. So um, in one way, if you're ever going to ambush a team and if Davy has his golden plan to beat Limerick, um, he's every opportunity now because like all the focus is on Limerick. Um, so yeah, it should be an interesting one. It has taken the glass off, or not, not the glass, but it has taken the, the limelight off certain teams. I think Waterford one of the teams, I think Galway another team, where Galway have, you know, they had their five league games and they're being, you know, sitting tightly for the last couple of weeks, obviously doing their own thing. It hasn't been a word about Galway, you know, and I think, you know, Kilkenny putting themselves into the league final, put themselves in the light uh, a little bit more than what, you know, and even I think a lot of people would have Based on that, have Kilkenny ahead of Galway because of that. But you know, I'm sure Galway are doing a lot of work the last couple of weeks, and and they'll be ready to go as well Sunday week, Saturday week. Galway probably come out of this last weekend with an awful lot of optimism, seeing that Kilkenny performance. I thought it was a big test for the young players, the young leaders of this Kilkenny side, given that there was no TJ Reid, Richie Hogan, Walter Walsh. So really, Derek Ling really trusted the young players within the squad and. To be fair, I think one or two of them, I think you've rightly pointed out, did have good cameos, but 
Again, there was a few that were a little bit missing in action. And I think the short pass game as well, particularly for Kilkenny, was completely exposed by by Limerick in the middle third. So I think it's um, food for thought here for Derek Ting. I know his post-game comments were very much, we'll strip it back and see what we can improve. But uh, I suppose, guys, we're only a few weeks away from the Leicester Hurling Championship. I don't think he can fundamentally change everything now, can he? He has a lot of change implemented um, since the, the holy times, you know, even just pair player positional changes. You know, you look at Paddy Deegan a little bit more up the field and and, and Park Walsh coming back, Connor back. The Connor back is a, probably one of the hardest positions in the field, I think, to, you know, it's kind of specialised in a way, you know, not many can slap back in there. But on top of a change, a game plan as such, uh, and, and working a lot shorter, you know, I think that it would be wrong to expect a lot, so much from them. I know they were in the Iron Final last year, but with all the changes, like to me, it has to be a work in progress. And I think the fact that he got to the the, the league final kind of, you know, kind of glassed over maybe issues that might be there. And you know, I think we kind of said it last week, Mark. It's all well and good playing like the t- like Antrim and and Westmead and that, but you know, when the real pressure comes on, I think and we saw it earlier in the league when they played Tipperary. Tipperary put the pressure on him, and and Kenny didn't respond well. And I suppose it was one question mark I had over Kenny where when that pressure came on and they're trying to work the ball through the lines, you know, it's not as easy as it would be in a in a wet day in a, against Antrim early in the league. You know, the, the intensity isn't there, the, the the same pressure isn't there. So I think there will be, you know, I still have the high respect for Kenny and I think they will definitely come out of Leinster, but they, they'll, they'll have a lot of questions to answer over the next couple of weeks. Yeah, the only thing as well is the Leinster Championship affords them a chance to get things right. They can, you know, they, if they were going straight into, let's say, a campaign where they were up against your Cork, Waterford, Clare, whatever, like, they, they, where it's week to week to week, he has, a, he has a chance now to even experiment a small bit in that Leinster round robin because not every week, okay, you've Galway, the Wexford game after Wexford beating them last year is going to be a big one, but, like, there's no way Kilkenny are not going to come out of Leinster. So, you know, he will have those weeks where he can still maybe tinker with things a bit, which he wouldn't have the same opportunity um, if he was, you know, in, in the Munster Championship. Yeah, they do have that comfort, you know, as opposed to the Munster teams where, you know, even having the, you know, Westmead first game out, like, uh, with respect to Westmead, like, it's, they really could put a, not a second string out, but a weakened team out, and it, I suppose from the league final to the Galway game, they have three weeks, you know, they have three good weeks to prepare for it. Looking at the fixture list here uh, with Kilkenny at the moment, it's, uh, it's looking quite good for him in terms of the fixture list anyway to kind of grow into uh, the actual championship itself. But I suppose going back to Limerick here, guys, um, we mentioned at the onset here uh, just that there was one or two players here from Limerick that had a point to prove. And I thought the likes of Dan Morrissey, particularly half-back, didn't put a foot wrong. I thought he was maybe the standout player for Limerick, particularly in that opening period, particularly when the exchanges weren't going according to plan for Limerick. Darrow Donovan coming in for Willa Donoghue and probably Seamus Flanagan teaming up with um, Aaron Galan, I suppose, Karen, It's um, a nice uh, selection poser for John Kiley, Paul Knurk, heading into the championship when you see those sort of guys really taking the opportunity so well. Yeah, absolutely. I think one player for me was was Sam Fanning. I think might have been mental last week. Like I thought he might have been a, a, at risk, maybe still is, of, of, of losing the jersey for a championship, but I thought he really, really had a good game. You know, work his socks off, as he, you'd, you'd expect with him, and I think they just have this understanding. Sullivan Galan just seem to click when they're playing together, and once the right ball goes in, you know they're they're dangerous. They're dangerous duo. But you know, Dan Marcy, like I suppose, look across the whole half back line. I mean, we've mentioned this for the last couple of weeks is the the choice selection that they do have. You know, I think Colin Coughlin has really set up this year, 
Uh, Cahill O'Neill, I think, uh, you know, really, really has taken a huge jump. And it's a it's a huge kick up the arse to, to Morrissey and Hegarty, like, you know, because if you're not performing, like, Kylie won't be long dropping you and, and giving O'Neill his chance, because I think he really has earned it the last, missed the first few games, but like, the last couple of games, I think, have been really, really impressive. Talk about it in terms of Munster, then. Who is your top three at the moment? I know myself and Karen were kind of hinting that we might reveal it. Let's do it tonight, then. I suppose, Rory, from your perspective, who do you feel is the top three uh, right now heading into the championship? Munster is going to be the hardest one, as always, to pick. But I'm going to start by maybe thinking the team that I don't think will make it is Waterford. So I I, I think it'll be three from the other four. But Waterford, just the fact they don't have home advantage again. Um, okay, it, It's a big one. like the, And they're playing... Clare in Thurless and Clare, we, we just spoke beforehand about Clare's record in Thurless over la, under the Lohan era, let's say, um, where last year they played there four times, one three, and over 70 minutes, I'd say, drew the other one with Limerick. Um, the year before, beat Waterford there, beat Wexford there. Like they, I think they've maybe unbeaten in six championship games in in Thurless. Like, so that's, that's you know, beat Cork and Tip there last year. Like, so uh, I think that's a huge disadvantage for Waterford. Um, and then also as well, it's a uh, Limerick in Thurles as well, isn't it? Yeah, yeah it is. So, like they're two huge, ones. and then you've Cork away and Tip away, like so. Um, yeah, look, uh, their their only hope here would be for Waterford to come out with like a m- massive performance and maybe turn Limerick over in the first game when Limerick are coming off the high of that performance of the league, and maybe just maybe beginning to you know listen to a lot of the podcasts like ourselves and um, reading too much media and just you know maybe lose that bit of that bit of complacency might set in for just that one game and Davy, of course has been telling everyone for the last two years that he has the game plan to beat to beat Limerick so if that is true and um, we'll see in a couple of weeks but I think that is their only hope maybe is to quote shock Limerick first round and that gives them every chance then they need to be one more game out of the last two. but look okay I'm going to discount Waterford and the other team I've got a discount is Tipperary. I think uh, the game in Ennis is huge. It's very close. I just think maybe Clare home in Ennis, and they're kind of being written off again. I was just reading a lot of things, you know, league standings. People are doing their standings after the, the league, and Tipperary seems to be like top three or four. And we're talking about a team that lost every game in Munster last year in championship. Um, to jump seven or eight counties in based on a league campaign, I don't know. If they come out and beat Clare and Ennis, then I think they're serious. But... And, uh, between now and then, I just don't see it happening. Um, but yeah, that, that's the big one for me um, because I think Limerick and Cork will probably be the other two to go through. So Limerick, Cork, and then whoever wins that clear tip game in Ennis, and I just gonna at the minute declare or not. Uh, Karen? Yeah, I think for me, you, when you look back at the world albums for the last couple of years, you know, home advantage is 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 key. You know, you win your home games and you're. You're 80% of the way there. You know, you might pick up a, a win on the road. But, you know, looking at the fixture list, I suppose going through them, for me, look, I just gonna, I think Limerick will, will be will have enough, to, even if they do lose to the likes or one of the games to Waterford. I think they're the two closest teams to them, probably Clare and Cork, and they have them at home. So I think that gives them advantage over the two teams. To play Waterford in, in Central Stadium, like, it, it's no advantage to... Or disadvantage to Limerick going to, to Turles. You know, I think every team in Munster has played in Turles so many times that it's like a second home, especially to, to Limerick. So I think that's it takes away the advantage Waterford do have of, of bringing a team down to their their home their home field and and, and trying to swamp them there. So I, I think for me, uh, Limerick number one. I think my second team, I think are Clare. 
I think Clare's closest rivals are Tip and Cork. They also play them at home. You know, so that gives them an edge. We all know Cusick Park is a really hard place to go to. Limerick went down there a couple of years ago, going well there on Robin and got an awful hide in in in, in So I think you know if Clare keep that keep that kind of cauldron feeling going, that I think the 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 first game for Clare is is crucial, the Tip game. But I think the you know Clare they've had a couple of weeks. They're you know they have a couple of players in their blaster. I think McCarthy being one of them is going to be crucial for their year. You know. I think no one knows these guys and you'd have them, you know, they'll be disappointed over last year and there has to be hunger there. So I think for me, Claire, my, my second team to come through. The third team for me is between Tip or Park. I think Tip, when we saw him against Limerick a couple of weeks ago, you know, really huge intensity, you know, like Carl Barrett back in the field, it's going to be a huge plus. They have a lot of injuries, but, you know, players are going to start coming back. Again, as I mentioned just a while ago, like the, the Clare game is crucial. I think if you lose your first game, the pressure on straight away. I think tip of the advantage where they play Clare, then they have a, a break week before they go to Park and to play Cork. So I suppose they can give it their all and they have a little rest period in between before they go face Cork and then they're home to, to Limerick and Waterford. So I think the, the way I'm kind of looking at it is I think tip could pick up at least two wins. I think they'll be Waterford at home and I think they'll be Clare or Cork away you know so i think yeah it's all hard to know i suppose it all depends on what car team turns out but i think if tip bring that game where they played against limerick and, and they can you know do a week in week out I, I give tip every chance so i'm gonna say limerick claire a slight nudge to tip those my picks i suppose limerick won i think unless you beat the champions you know you have to you know you have to give uh, limerick the credit uh that's true uh i mean great league display a bench a panel here that can come in if things don't go according to plan with Watford my hope at Watford is that they give this a real go in Turles and maybe use Desi Hutchinson and Mikey Kiley inside I thought Kilkenny in the league final when they did play direct there was a few problems there particularly the Masikion chance particularly in the second half so I think Watford I think they may be struggling with injuries here particularly with Austin Deason hearing rumours here in terms of Prunty as well at full back mightn't be able to make for the first round game. So I think for me, Watford, I think their first game out might be their highlight really here because I'm kind of looking at other fixtures here. I think they might struggle. Um, So I think Limerick, Clare, I think, you know, consistently high performers. Again, Aidan McCarthy being a huge bonus there for Clare. I suppose defensively as well. It'd be interesting if like Dave McNerney would come back into the fold here. I think that Clare tip game is massively important for both teams. But I think you have to bank it on Clare. I mean, like of Tony Kelly, Shane O'Donnell, these guys are going to turn up on the 23rd. So for me, Clare too. I'm going to hedge for tip. Um, that Cork performance against Kilkenny in the National Hurling League semi-final raised so many question marks about m- me in terms of Cork. Pat Ryan hasn't had an awful lot of time here to really adre- address things here. I just thought they lacked intensity, the work rate, the skill set were completely off and... I mean, if they're going to go very Jekyll and Hyde in the championship, they got away with it last year. If they do similar here, guys, I think uh, particularly that Tipperary game in Parky Keeve, I think Tipperary will have revenge on their mind in Parky Keeve. I can see Tipperary pulling off an away win here. And if they do that, I think they will be the third team here. It might be a dangerous little dark horse, you know, come the All-Ireland series. So I think for me, it's Limerick, Clare and Tipperary. So then Leinster then, guys, I think you probably intimated here in terms of Kilkenny and Galway. I suppose you're top three uh, from Leinster right now for what you've seen. 
Yeah, I think you could say to say that that Galway and Kilkenny would, would make it through. I think it'll all boil down to like Galway play Kilkenny in Nolan Park, and that'll be the game who will determine who will finish top. But I can't see either two teams not finishing uh, in top spot. I think the only thing is if Kilkenny, if the round robin doesn't go their way, their last game is away to Wexford. You know, if they're looking for a result, really, really hard place to go. I think over the last couple of years, Wexford have shown they're not afraid of Kilkenny. You know, they've beat them a few times over the last couple of years. For Kilkenny point of view, they'll want to get, uh, you know, they'll want to get security, you know, in the first couple of games. They've got away Westmead, Dublin at home. You know, I think if you win the, the them three games, you know, or even the two of the games and a, a away tantrum, which will be a tough test, but I think Kilkenny should have enough. You'd expect they'll have at least uh, three, if maybe four wins, heading away to Wexford for the last game. I think the, I think the, for Leinster, I think it comes down to two teams for the third spot. I think it's Wexford and Dublin. Dublin are going to Westmead, Galway, and Wexford. And I think they've nominated Crow Park, which I think might be a regret for Dublin because Wexford results in parallel uh, wouldn't be great. Uh, I think they've kind of given the, the home advantage, you know, away as such. I think it really, really comes down to that game. I think if Wexford get their 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 players back in the fields, the likes of Damien Reck and, and Liam Ryan and, and so on, Roy O'Connor, the top guys, I think Wexford would have enough. I think they're Wexford are capable also as well of, of taking a scalp, be it Galway or Kilkenny. You know, I think if you were to back, look at Dublin or, or Wexford, I think you'd, you'd say Wexford would be the one that could put off a big scalp in the day. So I think for that point of view, I'm just going to go Wexford for third spot. Yeah, Rory, uh, your predictions? Yeah, I was just going to say about Kieran finish with there, that the, uh, who, who's more likely to, to be the Kilkenny or Galway out of Wexford and Dublin? And it is Wexford like last year. Beakley Kenny and Drew with Galway. So they have that now at the same time then they win and Drew with Westmead. But like that's typical, that's what Wexford will do. But with Rory O'Connor and Lee Chin both firing at any one day, both of them, like they are a massive handful for defence. Um, and like they, I just see out of Wexford Dublin, they are possibly more likely. Like there is, it's a bit like the Clare Tip game. That's going to be the decisive game you'd imagine in the group. Um, but saying that last year Dublin uh, came down and beat Wexford, didn't they, in the, early in the group? And, yeah, uh, yeah, yeah, So we all thought that would be the decisive game then, but Wexford took their scalp in Nolan Park and, and pipped Dublin at the end of it. So, yeah, look, Kilkenny Galway are, are shoe-ins. Like, even they could sleepwalk, I think, through Leinster, um, the two of them. And, uh, it, yeah, Wexford are probably, with a full team, I think if, if Chain or Rory O'Connor are, are, are missing against Dublin, like, they're, they're in trouble. But with them fit... Um, you'd have to fancy them to third spot or even sneak in, as Kieran said, sneak in ahead of Galway or Kilkenny into a Leinster final by beating one of the two of them. But um, they just look for me this year, they, they do look a bit off where they were last year. Um, that talent game against Tipperary, you know, it was got all the headlines for the wrong reason and, and rightly so with, um, you know, the treatment Le- Leach in had to put up it from the sideline. But like the worrying thing there was the scoreline as well, like they yeah. got a right through yeah. And you were kind of hoping that maybe Wexford were just putting all their eggs into the championship basket and Derry Egan would have been hoping for a big performance there, albeit a challenge game, but just signs of green shoots. But that was a worrying thing was was the beating that they got in that match. But um, look, as we mentioned uh, with Kilkenny, Wexford will have a couple of games in Leinster as well to find their feet with, um, I think, Westmead and Antrim. They should be have taken their warning from last year not to treat any team lightly in championship. And, and they have them at home as well, Rory, which is another yeah, advantage, like, you know, so. It is. So, look, I, I just fancy, yeah, so Gallic and Kenny Wexford for my three picks there. 
probably going along with yourselves there, guys, to a certain extent. I just fear for Wexford a little bit, just on the schedule. Uh, they're away to Galway and away to Dublin. So I know, granted, Crow Park has been the venue. Again, there's so many questions for Dublin and Wexford Tancer here during this championship. It's very much a 50-50 call. Do you guys actually see any shocks here? I mean, Antrim at home to Dublin, first round. Maybe Westmead, Joe Fortune. I know the Wexford game in Mullingar last year. Do we see any kind of potential scalps here for those two? I mean, Antrim have been knocking on the door here for a few years. Do we feel that Antrim might be one of these kind of good stories here for Leinster? Maybe, Rory? I think that game you mentioned there, Antrim versus Dublin, is is a real... Like, Dublin are... Uh, we were talking about Wexford, um, you know, drama with Westmead last year, but we had a situation of Dublin being knocked out by Leash after going really well through Leinster in a in what was a, a quarterfinal game or a preliminary quarterfinal a couple of years ago in Port Leash, yeah. which was a huge shock at the time. Let's not forget, like, Dublin were being talked up that year. So I think Dublin are vulnerable there against Antrim, and that could be the one. Other than that, like, it's it's hard to see um, either of them go down beating in Dublin there, especially in that early round game. There's a good chance for, uh, for Antrim to pick up a scalp. I think if you're looking at Dublin as well, Mark, I mean, you know, we've seen them over the league process. You know, it's all in Donald Burke, really, isn't it? You know, so if you're Darry and looking at how do you how do you stop the threat, I think he has a good man marker in Shane Reck. You know, he showed it last year on Tony Kelly and, and another another players come against. You know, I think if you can, you, you know, restrict him on the freeze you give away and 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 restrict him from play, I think you, you go a lot of the way to try and stop Dublin up front. Yeah, I I would agree with you there because I don't think Dublin's depth chart has been really uh, truly identified by Michal O'Donoghue here. I mean, it's a very much a work in progress transition here. He really needs to know his crop of players. I mean, Donald Burke has been head and shoulders the top four for Dublin. I know Constantine has come in and Crummy has come in with some little cameos. Again, there's got to be have to be a bit more than that for Dublin really to really succeed. And I think the Crow Park switch as well. I think you've alluded to here, Karen, maybe a detriment here because I think an awful lot of teams may definitely destroy Dublin defensively with their speed. I'm thinking, you know, purely likes to kick any here. The Galway team, you know, relish Crow Park in the wide spaces that it's afforded here compared to the confines of Parnell Park. So, yeah, for me, I think it's Kilkenny, Galway, and give it to Wexford. But I wouldn't be all surprised if Antrim were there in the shake-up <laughs> come the end of it. I mean, you know, they do have uh, a few tasty home fixtures in this uh, year's campaign, and I suppose, look, Westmead are going to have to raise their mantra again, haven't they? You know, otherwise it could be a bit of a relegation battle for them as well. So, and like yeah. we look back to the last couple of championships, both Munster and Leinster, there's always a shock. You know, there's always a shock yeah. game in either. Like you know, and even I think Waterford. If you're looking one team, to come, I think Waterford might be the team who who might prove us all wrong. And you know, I even heard there the other day that the the, the whole Aussie thing is only a smoke screen. That he's actually all right training away ground. So you know, you just don't know until the day and see who talks out in the field. But yeah, you know, I think that's the beauty of the championship and the and the round robin because games come so quick and fast. You know, an injury here or a red card there, it can change it all so quick. Absolutely. And last year, Waterford were nearly in everyone's top threes for Munster based on what they've done the previous couple of years. Um, they were in the, so they were in the top one quickly. for some people, weren't they? So, yeah. <laughs> very quickly, the script gets torn up, and then that, there was that game in the Gaelic Grounds where everyone was saying afterwards, "Oh, these teams will meet again, maybe twice in the championship." But Turns out that was the height of Waterford's uh, campaign. Well, another player we just we didn't mention really was Ronan Hayes for Dublin. Has to step up now, and mm. um, like he has shown talent and he's been a handful for defenders, but kind of a guy who hasn't really pushed on and progressed. And we've seen in the in the club championship how dangerous he was, 
um, he he needs to uh, have a big campaign because Dublin need a tread inside as well as Burke in the half hour line. They need a real goal tread inside. It's something they've been lacking. And um, it's consistency he needs. Like like yeah. days last year he was really really good, and then the next day he wouldn't touch a ball. So mm. I think if you get him consistently, like Dublin are gonna need him because they, I think teams you know teams will they know how to to handle Dublin. You know you mark Burke and you're you're a lot of the way there. And look, they, they're under 20s beat Godway there in the championship during the week, and has to be a bit of a boost as well. Like sometimes, you know, teams feed off success elsewhere in the county, and um, I'm sure they would have passed uh, these guys going in and out of training. And for them to go and beat Galway, uh, like we all know how highly Galway are thought of at, at underage level, like, and that was a massive win for Dublin. So, look, things like that might give them a boost as well uh, going in, and uh, might be able to pick up a couple of those players too. We talked about depth, we don't know these lads, like. When they come on the scene, uh, team level, they might make a difference with 10 minutes to go. Just having a bit more talent coming in there because uh, that's as well where Dublin have lacked over the last few years, just not having a, a bench to come in and win a tight game for them. Absolutely. And I suppose Dublin's home schedule as well do have Wexford and do have Galway to come to them as well, which is, I think, pretty significant. But, you know, have an awful lot of questions to answer. I suppose, um, guys, with that, maybe we kind of lead into maybe the underage uh, competitions here. Rory, in terms of minor under twenty, uh, I suppose Munster and Leinster round robin well underway. Anything really kind of catch your eye there in those competitions? Yeah, I suppose the main thing coming out of the Munster so far is maybe uh, Waterford have been a bit off it in that. Um, if Waterford lose their next game in the minor, they're going to be out of minor and under twenty one to under twenty with a round to go in each. Um, you know, which so the way it works is there's a round robin and the top team go straight to the Munster final and second play third in a semi final. So at the minute, uh, Limerick and Cork are unbeaten in both minor and under 20. Um, Clare are going well. They uh, beat Waterford heavily tonight. Uh, game again, TG Cahar, in fairness to them, had it for free up on YouTube, which is great. Because uh, sometimes you pay 10 euros to stream sports, so it's great when you see the TG Cahar advertising these games. Um, but uh, again, look, so uh, an impressive performance from Clare down in Fraher Field. This was a game that was cancelled, uh, yeah, meant to be on last night and cancelled. But finally got played tonight and uh, puts Clare in a great position. I think if Limerick beat um, Water, Limerick beat Tipperary, Clare guaranteed uh, to be in a semi-final at least. So it's looking like uh, Limerick, Cork, Clare, maybe in the 20s. And um, it could be Limerick, Cork and either Clare tip in the minor. So, yeah, I know Clare beat Tipperary already in the minor, but if results kind of go their way, so... Kind of might might be the same teams in both in both competitions in the shakeup. But yeah, I think even from a miners' perspective, the Galway Miner set up this year seems to be exciting enough. A lot of locals up here. They travel to UPMC, Nolan Park on Good Friday it was certainly a good Friday for uh, Galway. And I think Kenny rather disappointed there under miners, but also they're under twenties as well. <clears throat> yeah, they lost but, to Wexford there last week, Mark. Yeah, they did, but I think Wexford were full value for the win. But Aaron Nyland in the minor camp one thirteen. Uh, last weekend, not a lot of good reports in terms of the side. Again, there's a great management team in there in Galway. Fergal Healy yeah. managing, likes of Joe Canning, James Skell. I think from that perspective, I think Galway are really hopeful of this minor uh, team. Pretty much backbone from Lockray and also Attenroy Colleges here as well. So, but Aaron Nyland being really the start of the show. Um, we actually have had a good start minor as well. The Big yeah. Curry and Dublin as well in the last couple of weeks. So. Yeah, you know, I suppose Wexford have been starved of underage success, so I suppose it's a good sign for them for the hopefully for the future. Yeah. And coming and up next week, Galway can any meet under twenty. So whoever loses that, I think it's going to be out because they're both coming in off a defeat. 
Mm. Uh, Wexford beating Kilkenny and Dublin beating Galway. So it's good to have a you know do or die game so early in the championship. Oh, so absolutely. Forward to next week. Yeah, because Dublin have really started very well in the minor and under twenties as well. As you said, there the under twenties had a very keynote win against uh, Galway under twenty team that's pretty highly rated here as well in Galway. So. I think that was a shock for some of the locals when they saw that result, but again, performance wasn't good enough. But I think Dublin, the miners as well, beat Offaly. Uh, I think Offaly really looking down the barrel here as well in Leinster, you know, after last year's heroics. So I think from that perspective, it's been a good championship on the region. I mean, it's really culminating now in the round robin, but I suppose we'll look at it a little bit more uh, in the next week or so. I suppose, guys, we can switch then to Joe McDonough Cup. Know myself and Karen had a preview uh, last week. And we said beware of the Roy Grass, uh, particularly with certain teams. And so it proved that the main headlines here, really, Leash getting beat by Offaly in Tullamore, Kildare getting absolutely trounced by Carlo, and then Kerry showing a real statement of intent to play uh, down. I suppose, guys, Offaly at 319, Leash 122, but I suppose it didn't tell the whole tale of the story here, Karen. Yeah, I think if you were to look at the, the little bit of season highlights, I suppose Leash started the strongest and I suppose looked the classier side, you know, seemed to work the ball a lot easier and some good points earlier on from, from Dunphy and, and Stephen Maher, they were getting a good supply of ball in as well and I think it was just the goals early on kept kept awfully in it. It was, it was um, uh, Leash was six points to one ahead before Cal got his first goal but Leash pushed on again, they were leaving by four with 25 minutes gone and, you know, another awfully goals for half time, you know, they were only two points down. I think, you know, Offaly would have been delighted at half time going in only two points down but, you know, Offaly with the breeze in the second half, you know, Offaly still didn't look dangerous, but I just think they were under a lot of pressure from the Offaly backs and really disrupted their play going forward. Offaly just took the lead, you know, they were great points, you know, they could have kicked on, died, and, and you know, Owen Cahill, super game again, you know, 2-11, uh, really good score. Leach kind of fell away a little bit then, I think, but it was the goals that really won that game for, for, for Offaly, and now they're, they're seven games unbeaten, and, you know, it's a... Uh, it's a good time to have a, a run like that going, you know, running in from the league and league winners into uh, into the Joe McDonough. Absolutely. Rory, get you in here, I suppose. If uh, Offaly are on a high leash, you know, that's the seventh class in a row now. But I think some grounds for optimism here, uh, Rory, for William Maher, particularly, you know, if they can address some of their kind of shooting and defensive issues here. Because they certainly have the skill set. Yeah, both similar games, actually. Their uh, relegation game against Westmeath, their opening round game there against Offaly where they look very impressive going forward at times and took some great scores and kind of a spread of scores as well throughout the team but just conceded like goals soft goals especially at wrong times in games um sloppy goals as well uh like even there uh, in the second half where Offaly had kind of finally got a stranglehold of the game Paddy Purcell got a goal for Leash and brought them right back in it brought them level again and that was a perfect opportunity for them to maybe kick on with 10 minutes to go but it was Offaly who went back up the field and got another, another uh, couple of scores in, and it just kind of killed the game from there. But um, I think Leash was a perfect game for them, and that they now are at home to down, I believe, in the next match. So uh gives them a chance to kind of bounce back, um, get, a, get a win on the board, and get some confidence going. Because, you know, coming off six, seven defeats, even if it was against really strong McCarthy Cup opposition, uh, you know, it's still not great for the confidence. So uh, a win here will give Leash a... You know, put them right back in the mix again. And I look, I, based on what I saw against Westmeat and against Offaly, I'd I'd give Leash a chance of being right in there again. Like they could go the rest of this group without losing the game, if they can just keep the faith and keep going at it and not get disheartened. 
Oh, I'd absolutely agree with you there, Rory, because I think Stephen Marr chipped in with 12 points. Key's prominent as well. I think Offaly are under no illusions here. If they do face Leash again, their performance is going to have to be upped again, just given the skill set there for good periods of that first half. There's only really one team in it, and I think uh, Leash, it's a key game for them against Down, as you say, but they can build momentum fairly quickly here in this competition. And I suppose we can probably move on to Netwatch, Dr. Cullen Park, Carlo. We'd kind of tip this one. Uh, I mean, Kildare coming off the back of that 2A league final loss. We thought there would be a final hangover. Well, I think this would be a bit disingenuous to Carlo, just given the performance, particularly in that first half, where they went 4-13 to 5 points up here, Karen. I mean, it's a massive statement of intent. And I suppose Tom Mullally can really take an awful lot of credit here in terms of the setup. And really, the execution of the side was really on point. Yeah, you can see Carlo were really primed for this. And, and they just tore into Kildare from the start. But I think if you look at it, Carlo had a three-week break going into the game compared to Kildare the six-day turnover. You know, so you know I'm sure Kildare would have put everything into that league final, and then to to lose and then face into championship six days later. You know, it, it, it is unfair. But you know, I think this Carlo blew him out of it. Um, bowling with a 26-minute hat trick. You know, very good day for him. Kavanagh again, 12 points. Joel 2-2. You know, to be fair, Kildare what did rally a bit in the second half, but. The damage was done in, in, the, in the first half and, you know, a great start for Carlo and, you know, they, they kick on again, another tough game against a way to carry this weekend. So, you know, it, it is week on week in the John McDonough, as we said, there's no let up, you know, and I think for Lice Kildare, you know, against Offaly, you know, I think the whole mental side of it, you know, after losing to them last week and, you know, I think it'll be a, it'll be a tough week for Kildare and to try and turn it around and, you know, you'd hope that they do have a, at least a good performance and maybe sneak result because, you know, all the they've had a very good league campaign, but, you know, with all that work be undone, if they lose again this weekend, you know, so I think it'll be a tough week for David Hardy and Kildare to try and get them back on the, on the wagon again. Well, it is a critical part of their season. They've had a great 12 to 18 months, given all the success they've had inter-county-wise, given even club in terms of NACE really being prominent so I think these are key days here for Kildare not to really lose the composure or plot here because they didn't get to a 2A league final by accident so but I think there was some worrying aspects here Karen, particularly in the way that the Kildare defence was ripped open here I thought Tom Mullally now Tom Mullally knows everything that needs to be known about Kildare, Kildare Hurland anyway given his stints with Nace as well knows the Kildare club scene inside out I thought the running game for Kildare was very or for Carlo was very prominent and also the quick ball into uh, to Boland as well, who seems a prolific full forward option here for Carlo and this competition goals will win championships. So I think the Kildare performance got summed up by Kyo's second goal. Kildare trying to build from the back and intercept, and then Kyo goes in for the goal. So I think a bit of soul searching from Kildare, uh, but again, season's not over here. And uh, I think to be fair to Kildare, they have to show their best foot forward against Offaly here, Rory. I mean, what a crunch game here for Kildare um, to really turn their season championship around. Yeah, look, they have met awfully twice in recent weeks, so they know exactly what they're facing as well. Which, And the fact that they it was still a tight game, the league final that they lost, and uh, Kildare had every opportunity at certain times, just a bit wasteful at times, and kind of decision-making let them down at the crucial stages. So they're, like, they know it's in them to beat Offaly as well. Um, if they can dust themselves down after the shock of last week, not just the defeat, but the manner of the defeat really is going to rock them to the core. And just, you know, that, but it's a fact that they're playing a familiar team again. 
you know, gives them some bit of, of hope in it. And also, look, we're set up with a crunch game now between Kerry and Carlo, both teams coming off big wins in round one. And, like, whoever wins this is going to be rightly set up. Like, they'll have two wins out of two, whoever wins this, before they play Offaly Leash, you know, kind of maybe the, the two of the, the stronger teams in the group, like Division 2A League champions and then Leash, who've just come down from McCarthy Cup as well. So uh, whoever wins that game... Um, Kerry Carlo game is going to be, you know, right in the mix. Um, so that makes look this round is intriguing. And I suppose it's kind of a standalone round as well before Leinster Championship, Munster Championship start. They get a kind of a round where like it, it'll be the only real hurling spotlight will be on these these round of games this weekend. So hopefully they get the coverage this weekend they deserve, considering they're not in competition with the you know Munster Championship and Leinster Championship. It's a glorious opportunity, though, isn't it, for all the general media to really plumb in on this competition because the 2A league I thought was phenomenal whereas we probably gave out in terms of 1A, 1B intensity in games 2A every week, week in week out there was a storyline in there and I think the Joe McDonough Cup is going to deliver that again with you know teams that are so evenly matched on a week by week basis but I suppose for Kildare, 9 points from play uh, last weekend, the forward line didn't function, there was a similar trend against Offaly Offaly kind of figured things out very well in terms of likes of Keneally here um, last, the, the weekend before last. So I think uh, for Kildare, but it's all searching. But uh, yeah, great win for Carlo and I think it sets them up nicely going down to Kerry. I suppose we can go to Kerry. Kerry travelled all the way to Ballygran to face down 126 to 114. I suppose Cairn is probably an accurate reflection of how the game went given Kerry's dominance and particularly the defensive masterclass here from Fiona McKenzie in terms of the sweeper system, he cleaned everything up there. Yeah, I think it did, uh, attitude as well, we're down, we're very wayward in their shooting as well, especially in the first half, and I think Kerry just took advantage really. But McKessie, yeah, in the street, uh, really influential, and he got in two points as well, and we got in the world of ball. You know, Kerry went in leading 196 at half time, and then, you know, they came out in the second half, and they scored, he was at eight of the first nine scores, and, you know, that just sealed the win for him. And then Kerry's shot selection was really good, and also as well, they had six points coming off the bench, which is, yeah. you know, with the attrition of the of the uh, of the league format of John McDonough, like you know, they're going to need the 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 whole bench or the whole you know the, the panel kicking in. So I think that'll really please Malumphy going into it because uh, you know it's not just a fifteen man game; they're going to need it 20, 23 players. You know, I think Kerry they're going to get a real test against Carlos. Was two two teams that won well last weekend going to face each other. I think it'll be a really, really ding long battle this weekend. One point I want to make in Kildare, Mark, I think, you know, looking at Kildare, they're, they're more of a team unit uh, compared to Lex Offaly. Like Offaly, like, you know, um, Cahal scoring was a 2-11. Like, you know, you take him out. I think Offaly are kind of similar to Dublin that way. You take their talisman out, you'd worry about the teams, you know. But I think Kildare are more of a, they're more of an equally spread team unit. There's no one man they rely on, you know. And I think that's Kildare, they can keep building on that. Or you know, there'd be no fear of anything going forward. I, I don't think this is a flash in the pan. I think they're 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 steadily improving, and I think they will. You know, okay, this is going to be a tough week, uh, a tough couple of weeks maybe. But you know, I think they'll have learned a lot this year. Even it has if it has to be taken into next year. You know, I think that they keep building on what they've done this year so far. Absolutely, yeah. Rory, get you in there. I mean, Kerry performance was pretty standard. I mean, Conway chipped in with eight points, but I suppose it wasn't really required. He wasn't the pivotal force here. For uh, Kerry per se, I mean Owen Ross as well. I thought the midfield was absolutely superb, mm-hmm. and as you said, the, the bench impact. You know they won the third quarter eight points to one. I mean built the gap from one ninety six points at halftime. Game is over as contest. 
with 15 minutes to go. But I suppose, Rory, an awful lot of good things here for Stephen Lumphy to really base his performance on ahead of this Carlo game. Yeah, and look, 10 different scores uh, for Kerry, um, which is huge. Because uh, a couple of years ago, it looked like they were becoming over-dependent on Shane Conway. And it was just actually in the in the um, Joe McDonough final last year when Kerry and Antrim were really close coming on the stretch. And you're kind of thinking, well, Antrim being Division 1 will probably have a stronger bench come in. But I think with Jordan Conway coming in that way, really impressive and uh, made a huge difference. And he started actually, don't, don't think things went too well for him against down the weekend, but it just showed the strength that that uh, they can bring in players now off the bench that, you know, can make a difference in games that wasn't always there with Kerry. And just to spread of scores as well, that Shane Conway isn't going out thinking I have to score whatever, 212 or 115 to win games. Like he scored four points from play, which is what you'd expect, you know, of him. Um, but scores come from like to have nine different scores and uh, Ross scoring one three as well, which is, a, you know, a, a big help. So look, they're, they're going to go in there at every confidence against Carlo. Um, and they're probably thinking as well, like with Antrim being out of the division, that it's a year for them because they've been so close in the last couple of years. There's a great opportunity for them maybe to, you know, get over the line finally this year. But I think it'll all start here. If they don't beat Carlo, it's going to hard hard to see them, um, you know, get into a Joe McDonough final again. So this is a big one for them. So, yeah, I think all eyes will be, all hurling eyes <laughs> this weekend will be in uh, Aston Stack Park. So. I think the pressure is probably on Kerry out of all the teams, really, just because of, of the last couple of years, you know, getting so close and not taking the final steps. So I think about, I think of all the teams, uh, the most pressure will be on Kerry. And I think whoever wins that game probably will go a lot of the way to, to being in the final or close to it. And it was probably the most impressive win in round one as well, because as we said, awfully we're kind of a bit fortunate to go over the line. Kildare had that six-day turnaround, so there can be excuses made there, whereas um, Down and Kerry were really close in matches last year when they came against each other. For, so for Kerry to go up there, to, well, it's a difficult place to go and win so comprehensively, like, is, you know, it was probably the most impressive win in, in the Joe McDonough round one. Yeah. I think as well, Mark, um, you know, I the Joe McDonough and the, the League Two isn't getting the, the applause it deserves, and I think that's one thing that needs to be really highlighted, is that, you know, to be in a league final and then having to talk about six days later in the first championship game, like, I just think, you know, the, the top teams are, are, are complaining about having a two-week break between league final and, and first round championship, so, you know, I think the same should apply at least to to the, the teams of Joe McDonough because you know it's a long couple of weeks in the league and then to lead into straight away two Joe McDonough games without a break like it's a it's like we know we're awfully at this with seven or eight weeks in a row you know it's it's a it's, it's not fair you know to you're talking about players injuries and and um and ACLs and stuff like that you know they're they're you know they're they're on their own the last over the last couple of weeks and tough ground as well you know it's not it's not like it's summer hurling like you know and again, I think we've seen with Kildare, the dip in performance. This could happen next weekend here for Offaly. Because being, you know, the consecutive weeks here, I mean, it's a, it's a pretty arduous toll here of a schedule for these teams to go back to back to back. It's very aggressive. Yeah, I completely agree with you, Kieran. I mean, scheduling has to be completely reviewed come the end of the season. You know, this is a, a noteworthy competition. And again, there's representatives from this competition going into an All-Ireland Hurling series. So, I mean... What's that due to the All-Ireland Series if these teams are just completely on empty uh, come the All-Ireland Series, which is maybe kind of a source of con- concern for tournament organisers. I suppose, guys, can we get some predictions on round two? Uh, we've Kildare at home to Offaly, Kerry entertaining Carlo in Tralee, and Leash entertaining down in Port Leash. Kieran, do you want to go first? Who do you think's uh, winning these games? 
Yeah, I think so. Looking at Leash and Down, I think you know Leash will be disappointed. Um, over the last couple of weeks, I think the you know the Westmead and the relegation final, and you know especially the game last weekend, and I think there the will be a kickback. I think as Rory mentioned, there, it is the perfect game for him. You know, I think morale has to be low. You know, what you say with their seven games are all be, uh, beaten, like it's you know it has to have an effect. But I think you know Down traveling to, to Port Leash. Um, I think Leach will look for a big performance and a result, and I think Leach will. So, well, Leach in that one. Uh, Kerry Carlo, you know, it's really hard to call this one. I think Carlo put giving himself a good, you know, they put himself in a good position after week one. Very good management. But I think the, you know, I think the pressure, as I said, is on Kerry. And I, I think, you know, if they ever going to win it, I think this would be their year. You know, they've been so close for the last couple of years. And I think home advantage would be crucial in this one. So, I, I'm going to tip Kerry for that one. You know, clear awfully another big game. You know, obviously, we'll, you know, they're unbeaten in, in seven. You know, it's it's very impressive. You know, Kildare, that there has to be a kickback. You know, you'd, you'd imagine there will be. Uh, you know, there will be the, I suppose, the, the mental side of it as well for Kildare after losing Offaly only two weeks in the league final. I'm going to say a draw for this one. I think it's to be close. The, the last few times they've been played, it has been close. So I'm going to I'm gonna say a draw. Very good. Rory, uh, your predictions for this weekend? Yeah, I'm going to go leash. Uh, I'm going to go Offaly. Uh, when I just think... You know, when things start going wrong and you're in a bit of a spiral and it seems that's the way for Kildare. Yeah, I'm going to go awfully there and I'm going to go Kerry. Just home advantage, uh, big performance last week. I have to back it up now two weeks in a row. If they do, they're right in the mix and I just think they will. So they're my three. Yeah, I'd go with awfully as well. But again, back in my head is awfully are going to have a dip in performance here. May it be this weekend. I mean, they've had three consecutive weekends now going into this. So it's uh, maybe a key one here. and hopefully for the competition to their bounce back here and provide a much more improved performance i think that'll be a tight one given as you said karen recent uh, encounters with these two counties leash down yeah i think down for me looked the lowest ranked team in this competition i think leash to build confidence get the season back on track i think this is um, a very opportune time to face down i would think here leash by maybe eight ten points here and building a little bit of momentum going into games against like I said the Carlo and the Kildares and I suppose uh Kerry Carlo I think that's the top drawer game of the the weekend here given how, what Carlo did to Kildare last weekend coming down to Austin Stack Park in great form Kerry with a very nice win against Down I think this will be an absolute there wasn't much between these two sides in the league as well now again we can say about shadow boxing but I think Carlo won't have any fear of playing Kerry and if they can keep their discipline in check here this, I think, might be a Carlo away win, just narrowly. But again, I think whoever wins this is going to be a very uh, prominent force in the Joe McDonough. Yeah, I suppose, guys, we might leave it there. I mean, plenty to cover tonight. Uh, many thanks, Kieran. Uh, Rory, I suppose uh, next week we can probably have a little bit more in-depth review of uh, the Munster and the Senior Hurling Championship fixtures on tap. We'll have a look at the Joe McDonough Cup, obviously, round two, and see where teams are at, and also have a look at the underage uh, competitions in both Leinster and uh, Munster as well. I suppose, lads, have a great weekend. We'll chat next week. You Thanks, Mark. Thank you for listening to this podcast episode. If you liked what you heard in this podcast, why not subscribe to the Hawkeye Psychic podcast on either Amazon, Spotify, YouTube, or Twitter platforms. You can also follow me at Hawkeye Psychic on Facebook and Twitter for the latest sporting opinions, articles, and reports. <laughs>